Let's get into the word today. We are actually wrapping up our teaching series today. We have spent six weeks on this series, Rest on Us, where the cry of our heart is, Holy Spirit, come rest on us. Just as, as it was prophesied over the Messiah, that we can experience the Holy Spirit the same way that Jesus did. And when the Holy Spirit rests on us, we see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We see the attributes of the Spirit in our lives. And we also see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so our goal in this series has been to have an understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they work so that we take them out of the realm of the weird or the spooky and we bring them into the realm of the powerful and the practical. That we can see how every single one of these gifts builds the church, ministers to people's needs, uh, uh, confirms the gospel, and brings people to Jesus. And I hope that's been your experience over these last five Sundays leading into today. And, uh, and so we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, we'll put our slide up that we've been looking at every week. The next one, there it is. So we looked at the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, uh, the distinguishing of spirits. We looked at the power gifts, faith, healings, and miracles. We've looked at the vocal gifts, which is prophecy, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. And then last week, we looked at the serving gifts. Can I get all seven of them without having any notes in front of me? Come on. We talked about teaching Mercy, giving, leadership, administrations, service, and, oh no, exhortation. There we go. I got them. All seven of them. The serving gifts that we all have a ministry and we are called to fulfill our ministry as these gifts operate in our lives. And so today, we're going to take a look at the office gifts. And we've been relating all of these back to Isaiah 11.2, right? We've looked at how he is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He is the spirit of might. He is the spirit of counsel. Last week, we looked at the spirit of delight because we should delight and have the right heart in fulfilling our ministry. And today, our last one is we're looking at the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Because it's the fear of the Lord that keeps us humbled before God and following Jesus and growing in discipleship. And that's what we're all called to do. And we're going to see how the office gifts help build the church and maintain that atmosphere of the fear of the Lord so that we can all grow together in discipleship. So here we go. If you've got your notes, they're in your bulletin, they're in the church app. They're attached to this video, and they're also attached to this audio. Here's our big picture point today. The office gifts, with key distinctions from the other gifts we have studied, are callings bestowed on individuals that are vital for the growth and the health of the church. So you can see from this statement, we are going to look at some key distinctions a lot of people say there's 16 gifts of the Holy Spirit because they don't count these five. And we're going to talk about why they don't. What's different about these five gifts from the other 16 that we've studied? But we're also going to look at the similarities so you understand why I include them in the list and, and that we say there's 21. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to go after today. Our study today is in Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to go in the Word. 
And, and we're going to relate this to what we've already studied in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans chapter 12. So why do some people not count these five gifts as part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, the, the main reason is because in our passage here in Ephesians 4, Paul doesn't use either of his two key words, right? Harismata or pneumatica, right? Those are the two words that refer to gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't use those words in Ephesians chapter 4. He uses a different word for gift. So that's the main reason why people don't include these. But I believe there's enough similarities to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 that we can see that Paul is teaching in the same vein. So let's read this and let's see what we find. Ephesians chapter 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And again, that word gift is a different word than what Paul had used in our previous chapters. So, did you hear any similarities to what we've been teaching for the last five weeks? How about walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called? Operate in the gifts you've been given. Fulfill your ministry. Do your part in the body of Christ. Did we hear love? Yeah, every time Paul teaches about the gifts of the Spirit, he teaches about love because if we're not ministering in love, then we're not doing it right. He talks about ministering to one another and bearing with one another. He talks about the unity of the body of Christ that even though we all have different gifts, together we make up one body. He says there's one body, one spirit, one calling, one Lord, one faith, just like in 1 Corinthians 12, 5, when he says there's one spirit, one God, one Lord, but there's a variety of ministries and a variety of outcomes. And then he says grace has been given to each one of us according to Christ's gift, which is exactly what he says in Romans 12, 6. So you guys hear the similarities. This is a different letter to a different church, and yet Paul is teaching in the same vein. And it's because of these similarities that I consider this teaching to be the same as the others. And we include these five gifts in our list of the Holy Spirit. What are these five gifts? Ephesians 4.11. And, God has a, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Interestingly, three of these five he also mentions in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Right? So we've got these five gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
So what are the key distinctions, though? What sets these five gifts apart that makes them different than all the other ones that we've studied? Well, the first key distinction is that these office gifts were given by Jesus. So all the other ones that we've studied says that the Holy Spirit distributed them as he willed. But here in Ephesians 4, Paul says Jesus gave these gifts to the church. Now, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, so you could say we're just splitting hairs, that it's still the Trinity, right? It's still God. But Paul made a distinction that these particular gifts Jesus gives as a calling to certain individuals in the church. The second key distinction is that office gifts are always enduring gifts, never spontaneous gifts. Right? We talked about that last week. We have enduring gifts. We have gifts of the Holy Spirit that we operate in all the time. But we should also leave ourselves open to a spontaneous gift because all the gifts are in the Holy Spirit, which means he can make any of them work through you. So we don't say, well, I never prophesy because I don't have the gift of prophecy. Well, what if the Holy Spirit spontaneously wants to prophesy through you? So we have enduring gifts and spontaneous gifts. Well, the office gifts are always enduring gifts. You don't just spontaneously become an apostle one day and then immediately stop, right? So that's a key distinction. If you're going to have one of these office gifts, it is an enduring gift. It is a long-term gift. Here's another key distinction. Office gifts must be recognized by the church at large. Office gifts must be recognized by the church at large. What that means is you cannot declare yourself to have one of the office gifts. You cannot declare yourself and say, I am a prophet. I am an apostle. I am an evangelist. Right? You cannot do that. These gifts must be recognized by the church at large. Others must look at you and recognize the gift in you. Let's look at this scripturally. Acts 21.8. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. So this is Luke writing the book of Acts, and we know that Luke was a stickler for titles and locations and dates. He was one of the most accurate historians of his day. So if Luke is going to call Philip an evangelist and his daughters prophets, clearly there was a level of recognition amongst the church of who these people were. Galatians 2.9, we read last Sunday. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who are reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. The other apostles had to recognize the grace gift on Paul and Barnabas so that they were deemed apostles to the Gentiles. And then in Revelation 2.2, when Jesus is prophesying over the church of Ephesus, listen to what he says. I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you found them to be false. Right? So this shows that as a church, we can have a collective discernment. 
That if someone says I'm a prophet or somebody says I'm an apostle, we don't have to believe them just because they say it. We can put it to the test. And the church at Ephesus had a gift for sniffing out false apostles. So these these gifts must be recognized by the church at large. And then finally, a key distinction is that the office gifts are for the equipping of all of us to do the ministry. We have created a culture in the Western church. It started in the 1500s, and now, uh, you know, we're just uh, experiencing now 500 years of this culture and tradition of the idea of the professional ministers, right? We pay people to do that. We pay people to take care of that. And so if we have professional ministers, they do the ministry. No. The New Testament model of the church is that all of us do the ministry. We all have gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all have ministry. We all have a purpose together to minister to one another's needs within the body and also to serve the community outside the body. We all do ministry. So what's the job of the professional ministers? It's to equip all of us to do the ministry. It's not to do it all themselves. So let's continue reading our passage in Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of people or by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Man, did you hear the words in there? We heard words like grow up, maturity, equip, fullness, unity, knowledge, measure, right? Did you hear all of these words? There is an intention that collectively together as the church that we are all growing together in our faith. We're all at different points on the journey. But together, collectively, we're all growing in our faith, and we're all supposed to be operating in our ministry, doing our proper parts. And when we do, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The five office gifts are here to equip us to be that kind of a church. Not so that the professionals can do the ministry, but so that the professionals can equip all of us to do the ministry. Are you guys with me? So let's talk about these. What I want to do is I want to put this slide up on the screen, and we're just going to camp out on this slide and make a few observations of of what this slide means. The first observation is this, that the office gifts are also called the five-fold ministry. You may have heard that term before in in going to, to different churches. 
So first off, I want to talk about the five-fold ministry versus the four-fold ministry because you might hear both phrases. Why do some people call it the fourfold ministry? Because some people consider the shepherds and the teachers to be the same person, the same office. And so they think there's only four offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and then shepherd, teacher is the same office. And when you read the original Greek, I can understand why they come to that conclusion. I'm not here to argue with them. But we stand on the fivefold ministry. We stand uh, that, that teacher and shepherd are different offices. Now, we know that to be a shepherd, you have to be a teacher, right? That, that's listed in Scripture. To be a shepherd, you have to be a teacher. So it's kind of like this. When you think of those logic arguments, right? All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. All fruits are vegetables, but not all vegetables are fruits. So all shepherds have to be teachers, but not all teachers have to be shepherds. Are you guys with me? So let me give you one example. John and Lisa Bevere are recognized teachers throughout the body of Christ. Both of them have written tons of books. They record video curriculums. They travel around the world. They speak at conferences. They speak at churches. They are teachers. They have never shepherded a church. They have never been shepherds, but they are recognized as teachers, and their teaching has changed my life. It's affected this church. It's affected countless lives. It's also important to point out that in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and in Acts 13, 1, in both of those verses, it specifically refers to the office of the teacher, separate from the office of the shepherd. All right, so we are a five-fold ministry. All of our shepherds are teachers, but you can have teachers that aren't shepherds. All right? The, uh, another observation I want to make from this list is that you'll notice that two of the offices relate to gifts we've already talked about. Right? We've got prophets, but we've already talked about the gift of prophecy. And we've got teachers, but we've already talked about the gift of teaching. So what's the difference? What's the difference between having the gift... Like, let's talk about prophecy. Paul encouraged everybody to prophesy. He wanted everyone to be able to prophesy. So what's the difference between everyone being able to prophesy versus the office of a prophet? Well, the first time you prophesy, it might be a spontaneous gift. You'd never done it before, but you felt it come on you, and for the first time you yielded yourself to it, and you were super nervous, and you were scared out of your mind, but you prophesied. And then you find that that gift becomes an enduring gift. And now you prophesy all the time. Well, as the years pass, more and more, we can see that your prophetic words are accurate. They're coming to pass. And after a, a period of time, you are now recognized in the office of a prophet. You feel a calling to give your life to this ministry of prophecy. That's the difference. Same thing with teaching. You might have the gift of teaching. It might be an enduring gift. And over the years, as you continue to teach, now you're recognized in the office of a teacher because your enduring gift has been supernatural and powerful. So that's the difference. Everybody good with that? Awesome. 
All right, the other thing we want to observe from this slide is you'll notice all of my withouts and withins. Let's talk about this. Let's start with apostles. Apostles should always come from without. Apostles should always be from outside of the local church. Why is that? Because generally, apostles have to do hard things. They have to come in and take authority over some things and, and do some difficult things. And it's best if that's done outside of the church where there's not too much personal relationship or personal baggage. All right, so take me for example. I believe that I have an apostolic calling on my life. I'm not there yet. It's not recognized yet. Why? Because being an apostle takes a lot of seasoning. It takes many years of faithfulness and growing and maturing and, and, and experiencing the gifts before you are recognized as an apostle. I believe that I'm called to that, but I'm not recognized in that yet. That's kind of the season God is working in my life right now. But even when I am recognized as an apostle by other churches, I will still just be Pastor Aaron to Kauai Bible Church. I will not be an apostle to Kauai Bible Church because apostolic authority should always come from outside of the church. The other great thing, the beautiful thing about being a non-denominational church is that apostolic authority is always invited. If you're in a denomination... The apostles can come take authority anytime they want to. The apostles could show up and say, I'm going to take your senior pastor and move him to a different church in a different state. Or your church isn't doing as well as we like. We're going to sell your building and close your church. Like apostles can do that in a denomination. But because we are non-denominational, anytime apostolic authority comes to Kauai Bible Church, it has to be invited which means the eldership, we see something wrong. We understand that it's going to take a, a special authority to fix it. So we reach out to the apostles and say, will you come help us? That's invited authority. So I want you to rest at ease that there's no apostle that's ever going to come and take authority of our church, right? There was a situation. I won't go into too many details about it. It happened shortly before I moved here and became the pastor that there was a couple who were positioning themselves to take the pastorship of this church by force and manipulation, not by the call of God. And they were working their manipulation. And the elders didn't know how to address it, so they called an apostle. And an apostle came to Kauai, sat down with this couple, made it very clear to them that they were not going to be the pastors of this church and that what they were doing was wrong. And then that couple left the church. <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's what I mean by apostles come in and do difficult things. Are you guys with me? So apostles should always come from outside the church, whereas the shepherds should always come from inside the church, right? Local churches recognize their own shepherds. So the recognition of the shepherd should always come from inside the church, like, when I go to other churches, they call me Pastor Aaron out of respect, but that's not my flock. I don't have any authority to shepherd that flock. I might be going as a guest preacher, and I might have a word or a prophecy to stir up the church, but I'm not their pastor. Pastors are recognized within the local church. Are you guys with me? 
So apostles should come from outside. Shepherds could come from inside. The other three are either or. A local church can have their own prophets, evangelists, and teachers, but a lot of times local churches are too small to have all of those office gifts operating, and so you bring them from outside, right? And so right now, I say right now, Kauai Bible Church does not have any prophets, evangelists, or teachers, but I believe we can. And my prayer is that the gift is stirred up and that people respond to the calling of God upon their lives. But right now we don't. So what do we do? We bring them in because those offices are vital to the growth of the church. All right, so those are some of our observations. One last observation is you might notice that the Apostle Paul was basically a walking fivefold ministry. As you read the New Testament, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul functioned in all five offices. He was primarily an apostle, but the Bible also says he was a prophet and a teacher. We know he was an evangelist because he went around planting churches and preaching the gospel. And we know he was a shepherd because he would stay in some churches uh, for up to three years before he would move on to another church. Right? So the Apostle Paul was the walking fivefold ministry. So I want to talk about how the fivefold ministry contributes to the health of our church or to the health of any church in general. And I want to share these quotes with you. I apologize. I could not find who wrote these quotes. So somebody amazing wrote these. I just don't know who it was. But listen to these quotes. The fivefold ministry is like a symphony where each instrument plays its unique part to create a harmonious and beautiful sound in the church. All five offices working together to create a beautiful sound in the church. Or how about this one? In the tapestry of the church, the fivefold ministry are the threads that hold it all together, weaving a strong and vibrant community of believers. Come on, the, the five offices are the ones that weave it all together, keeping the community vibrant. So let's break these down. And what you'll find as we look at the original Greek words is that most of these titles in English is we just transliterated the Greek words because there was no English words for these titles. The first one, apostolos. Sounds just like apostle, right? Because we didn't have a word for apostolos, so we just made it apostle. What was an apostolos in the original Greek? It was an envoy or an ambassador. It was a messenger sent on a mission, right? So an apostle is one sent on a mission. It's one called to be an ambassador. So within the church, apostles are the ambassadors of Christ for the church. They are sent out on mission for the church. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now it was at that time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer with God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles. All right, listen, Jesus didn't just have 12 disciples. We know he had at least 500 because in his resurrected state, he appeared to 500 disciples at one time. But we talk about the 12 because Jesus handpicked 12 of them to be his closest students to walk with him. And those 12 he called apostles. 
There are some churches that teach that those were the only 12 apostles and that apostles don't exist anymore today. And my response to that is if apostles were so important to the church, why would they not exist anymore today? The difference is, is that those apostles had the inspiration and authority to write Scripture. Apostles today do not have the inspiration or authority to write Scripture. That's the key distinction. But beyond these 12, we also find that Paul and Barnabas were recognized as apostles. James and Jude, the half-brothers of Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus during his earthly ministry, very early on in the history of the church, are recognized as apostles. And both of them wrote a letter that ended up in the Bible. We also read about Andronicus and Hunius. And Hunius was a woman, by the way, for all of those anti-women and leadership people. Hunius was a woman, and they were recognized among the apostles. All right, so, so what was the idea of apostles? Well, again, the original 12 apostles, they did start out shepherding the church. Why is that? Because there was only one church. You can't get apostles from outside the church when there was only one church. So from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 6, it was just the church of Jerusalem. There were no other churches, so the apostles were also the shepherds of that church. But then when the persecution began to scatter believers all over the region, churches started getting planted everywhere. And now the apostles would go to these other churches to visit them. And I think this is important because to have apostolic authority, you kind of need to start out as a shepherd. Because if you've never shepherded a church, it's hard to speak to other shepherds and have authority when you're speaking to other churches. So even the original 12 apostles started out as shepherds before they had apostolic authority over all the churches. You'll see that when the church was planted in Samaria, and it began to grow, they sent Peter and John to make sure that they were on the right track. When the church was planted in Antioch, they sent Barnabas to make sure the church was on the right track. Are you guys hearing this? Apostles come from the outside and have authority. And sometimes they have to correct and do hard things. Sometimes they have to guide. Sometimes the church is in a crisis and they need guidance. So in your notes, what we wrote was this, is apostles have the authority to bring guidance and correction when needed. So for Kauai Bible Church, our primary apostle is Bob McGregor, who will be here next month, by the way. So he is the first person we look to. If the eldership, if we're discussing something and we have a dispute and we don't know how to answer it, the first person we call is Bob McGregor. In the past, we have also reached out to David Canastracy, Apostle Emmanuel Canastracy, who's now in his 90s and still kicking. Come on. We've reached out to Mel Mullen before as an apostle. And we also have the apostolic leadership team of MFI, which includes Frank DiMazio and Mark Estes. Right? So we have apostles that we reach out to. Let's talk about the prophets. The Greek word is prophetes, Right? Not that shocking, okay? In the original Greek, what did prophetes mean? It meant one who speaks on behalf of or interprets the will of a divine being. It's an inspired preacher. Remember what we talked about with prophecy, that the main purpose of prophecy is to confirm. 
right? It's not to direct you to do something you never wanted to do. It's to confirm things, and it's to stir up the ministry within the church. So let's look at Acts chapter 11. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and indicated by the Spirit that there would definitely be a severe famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And to the extent that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this, sending it with Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So the prophet stood up and he prophesied a famine. What did that prophecy do? It stirred up the church. All the disciples said, we want to help the church of Jerusalem. We all know the church of Jerusalem was the first church. We were all birthed out of that church. We want to help them. So churches all over the region were stirred up to give a contribution to help those that were in the midst of a famine. The prophets stirred up the church. So in your notes, what do prophets do? They confirm callings and stir up the people to fulfill their ministry. We need prophets to stir us up. Otherwise, we tend to get stagnant. We tend to get complacent. We just get comfortable being in church. So what do we do? About every 18 months or so, we bring in some prophets to stir up the church. The last time we did it officially was actually two years ago. It was September of 2021. Bob McGregor and Eric Butler came and stirred up the church. We did it a little bit in November at our 50th anniversary celebration. Prophets stirred up the church, and the prophetic word was stirring. So we need the prophets to stir us up. We need prophets to confirm callings, because a lot of times we'll be like Saul hiding in the luggage. And the prophet shows up and says, you're supposed to be doing this ministry. And you're like, I know. That's why I'm hiding. All right, so that's what we need the prophets for. How about the evangelists? I know this is going to shock you, but the Greek word is evangelistas. Okay, so again, we just took all these titles from the Greek. An evangelista in the original Greek was a person who announces information about important events worthy of celebration. So it wasn't a religious word. It was anybody who had a declaration that was worth celebrating. So now we have evangelists who declare the gospel that is worth celebrating. Interestingly, this word evangelist only appears two other times in the, in the New Testament. We read one of them last week when Paul wrote to Timothy and said, do the work of an evangelist. We also read it. Oh, no, I lost my other one. Where's the other? Oh, it was, we already read it. It was Philip the Evangelist, right? Philip was titled the Evangelist. So let's see evangelists at work. Acts chapter 11. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well, preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So what we have here is we have evangelists who find their way to Antioch, start preaching the gospel, and people start getting saved. 
So what, is, what do the apostles do immediately? They send Barnabas there. Why? Because you can't build a church with evangelists. You only get one-fifth of the five-fold ministry. And you may have experienced in your lifetime, there are some senior pastors who are actually evangelists, but they kind of fell into the senior pastor role, and you notice it because they're great at preaching the gospel, and they might even have big churches with lots of believers, but you've heard the phrase, the church is a mile wide and an inch deep. Because even though they're gifted as evangelists, they're not gifted at all the other things. So there were evangelists planting a church in Antioch, and so the first thing they did was sent an apostle there to make sure they were building the church properly. So what do evangelists do today? They equip and empower people to share the gospel. Again, it's not the evangelist's job to do all of the preaching. It's the evangelist's job to equip all of us to do the preaching. We are bringing in an evangelist in November. He is going to come, and his job is not going to be to preach the gospel for us. His job is going to be to empower us to go out and share the gospel in our community. So something to look forward to in November. We're going to bring in an evangelist. Why? Because we need the fivefold ministry. We need evangelists to empower us to preach the gospel. Otherwise, we get really comfortable with who we have, and we forget our calling to win people to Jesus. The poemen is the shepherd. It literally means one who tends to a flock. That's the Greek word, poemen. You know what the Latin word is for shepherd? It's pastor. So that's where pastor comes from. It's the Latin word that means shepherd. You realize in Ephesians 4.11, when it lists the fivefold ministry, that is the only time in the entire Bible that the word pastor is used to describe the leadership position in the church. Every other time that the word poemen is used, it's used like for actual shepherds, like in Luke chapter 2 when the shepherds saw the baby Jesus. Or it's used for Jesus as the good shepherd. But only once is poemen used for shepherd being the shepherds of the church. But let's understand, not just looking at the noun poemen, but the verb to shepherd. How about John 21, 16? When Jesus was restoring Peter after Peter had denied him three times. Three times Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The second time, Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. In Acts chapter 20, Paul gathered the elders of the, of the church of Ephesus and said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. 1 Peter 5.1, Therefore I urge elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow, fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. So who is Paul and Peter talking to when he's telling people to shepherd the flock? We said it once already. He's speaking to the elders of the church. 
So again, by tradition, we have separated pastors and elders, right? The pastor is the main guy, and the elders are just volunteers that go to business meetings. No. The elders are the shepherds, and the shepherds are the elders. Then what is the senior pastor? He's the chief elder. That's it. The chief shepherd. So who are the shepherds? They're the elders. When we make somebody an elder, we recognize them as a shepherd of the flock. What do shepherds do? They walk through life with people doing their discipleship journey. Shepherds are the one that get down in the mud. They get down in the dirty of life, and they share life together. Man, we can bring in an evangelist, and an evangelist can be awesome for three days, fire up the church, we're all stirred up, and they leave. But the shepherds are the ones who walk through life with you. The shepherds are the ones who stay. My pastor would always joke uh, that when people would come to him who were leaving the church, they would say things like, I don't feel safe, so I'm leaving the church. And he would say, well, neither do I, but I can't leave. Right? The shepherds stay. The shepherds stick it out with the sheep. And finally, let me have the worship team come back up. We have the teachers. This is actually a fun Greek word. It's didaskolos. Didaskolos means a teacher, someone who instructs mainly as an occupation. What do teachers do? They equip people with sound doctrine so that they can live righteously. Teachers equip us with sound doctrine so we can live righteously. Let me give you one example. Bill Scheidler is a teacher. He is in the office of the teacher. Bill Scheidler has written tons, written, written tons of curriculums to equip the church. Here at Kauai Bible Church, we use one of them specifically. Everybody who is a leader in this church, so everyone who is a team captain or an elder, has taken Bill Scheidler's curriculum. Why? Because Bill Scheidler is a teacher. He's in that office. He's been doing it his whole life. He is seasoned and recognized and respected. We need teachers in the church who will equip us with sound doctrine. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Those are our fivefold ministry gifts. So let me answer two questions. The first question is what if I'm not called to those office gifts? There's nothing wrong with that, right? Jesus only chooses certain people and calls them and gives them to the church. So what if I'm not called to one of those office gifts? Well, you are called to discern, right? All of us collectively as a church, we can discern. So just because somebody says they're a prophet and has a website on the Internet doesn't mean they're a prophet. We can discern. But you can take comfort that if we bring anybody into the church and recognize their office, that we have vetted them and that they have a lifetime of ministry and respect in that office. But the other thing we can do is we can honor and submit. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. 
Come on, honor your leaders and then honor Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do so with joy, not groaning, for this would not be helpful for you. If your fivefold leaders are groaning because they have to lead you, that's not helpful for you or the church. All right? We've had some groaning sessions in the eldership meetings. Oh, what are we going to do with this person? Oh, they just don't listen. Oh, they're just not growing. Right? It says, obey and submit to your leaders. Make it a joy for them to lead you so that all of us together can be growing effectively. Amen? But then the other question is, what do I do if I do feel a calling to one of the office gifts? I do feel something stirring within me. First, come talk to me. I would love nothing more than to help nurture and shepherd you along the journey to fulfilling that calling. So come talk to me, and we'll begin that process. I, like I said, I believe Kauai Bible Church can come to a day when we have prophets and evangelists and teachers recognized within our church, not just bringing them in from the outside. But here's the thing. When you come talk to me, be patient. The calling is cultivated over a long period of time before it's recognized. There's a lot of people that are like, I'm called to be a shepherd, and I'm tired of waiting, so I'm just going to go do my own church. I'm called to be this, and I'm tired of waiting, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Be patient. The true office gifts are recognized over a lifetime. Don't be in a hurry to run off and do it yourself. Be patient. I told you guys, I came to Christ 24 years ago, and the night I came to Christ, I knew I was called to be a Paul to my generation. I knew I had an apostolic calling. 24 years later, I'm still not recognized as an apostle. But I still believe I will be. But it's been 24 years of seasoning and preparation and giving my life. And in the meantime, I have also operated in the role of an evangelist and in the role of a shepherd teacher. And even when I am recognized as an apostle, I will never stop being in the role of a shepherd teacher. Because that's my heart. So be patient. Don't rush off. Give yourself to the calling. I want to believe by faith that there are some people here today, either in person or listening to this message, that you're feeling that rumbling. You're feeling that calling. And you would come talk to me. And we don't know when it's going to happen or how long it's going to take, but we're going to start the journey of seeing you rise up in that ministry. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this truth. Lord God, I pray that we would have a greater understanding of the office gifts, of the fivefold ministry, and what it means to the church in general, but also what it means to us as Kauai Bible Church. And why we do the things we do, why we bring in the people we bring in. I pray, Lord, for a, a spirit of honor and submission in this place. Never submitting to bad leadership, never submitting to abusive leadership, but submitting to the truly recognized fivefold ministry. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are feeling the calling, I pray, God, that there would be a, enough courage, enough boldness within them just to reach out to me, just to begin the process, just to take the first step 
to say, this is who I'm called to be. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I pray that Kauai Bible Church would be a healthy, thriving church because we see all five office gifts operating as a beautiful tapestry woven together, a vibrant, growing community in Christ. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord.